Hey guys, before we get to the show today, I want to remind you, if you are enjoying Ghost Facing It, even if you're not enjoying Ghost Facing It, please like and review us uh, and share us on social media. Like I said, even if you're just like, hey, I don't really like this show, tell people about it. Tell people about Ghost Facing It. Like I said, share us, like us, review us. It does help and it does, it helps get ghost facing it bigger out there you can also follow me on twitter i am at coco underscore blinks which is a long story um i talk a lot about movies there as well like an annoying amount of movie talk on my twitter but yes uh like share review ghost facing it it would mean the world thanks guys and now on to the show let's talk about films and shit Hey guys, welcome to Ghost Facing It, the podcast where I talk favorite films, some of my favorite people, and we are wrapping up the month of February, so we are wrapping up rom-coms um, with my brother, my brother Lucas is here again. Lucas, how are Hello, you? I'm, I'm back yet again. How exciting. I know. It's always exciting having you on, Lucas. I know. Yeah. I'm a, I'm mom, a mom will actually listen to this episode. Guest. You are a very Hi, special mom. guest. Yeah. She'll actually listen to this one. Cool. So love that. It's exciting. Um, and Lucas, so uh, as I've been saying for the month of February, who doesn't love love? Which is why we've been talking rom coms. So let us know what what we are talking today. Um, today we are going to talk about the film When Harry Met Sally, which is uh just a really really good rom com in my opinion and a lot of people's opinions. It's not very uh not very uh fringe of me to say that it's pretty popular. No, I was going to say, this is a very, like, undivisive film. I feel like everybody really loves this, and and very much this is, I feel like, the rom-com that all other rom-coms are kind of held to. I don't know if you agree yeah, with that like, or not. I think um, it's a pretty, like, I don't know, I was going to be, like, a high-standard rom-com, but that sounds really pretentious. I just think it's, like, as you say, it's one that was, like, very successful at the box office, and also just, like, people love it, so... Every rom-com that came after it wanted the level of, uh, I don't know, adoration that When Harry Met Sally has. So that's good. It's a good one. And also, Lucas, we were discussing this a little bit before we started recording, but you did basically your college dissertation on rom-coms, and you end up your short film ended up being a, a take on a rom-com. So I think this is the perfect way to wrap up rom-com month with someone who. Oh yeah. I mean, you've you've legitimately studied rom-coms. Yeah, I mean. I don't mean to brag, but I'm a bit of an expert in my field uh, when it comes to rom-coms, so I'm glad, <laughs> you, glad you got me on there. I know. That's why I saved you for the end of the month. Nothing yeah. to do with scheduling, mostly because you were the expert on rom-coms. Definitely yeah. that. Basic, basically a doctor of rom-coms. You have a PhD in rom-coms. That's, uh, all right. Let, I'm, I won't spread uh, false information. I do not have a doctorate or PhD in anything so I think we all heard it I think everybody heard Lucas claim he has a PhD particularly in rom-coms so yeah. I think everybody already heard that Dr. Lucas Garbera anyway perfect yeah <laughs> Dr. Lucas Garbera <laughs> what do you what, what is your doctorate in uh rom-coms rom-coms obviously uh, duh. Um, all right, Lucas, so before we get into our convo on uh, When Harry Met Sally, we are going to do the 30-second summary. Uh, are you ready for that? Yeah, as I, was, as I was saying, I think this one will be pretty easy because it's a pretty straightforward movie. 
So I do want to say again, Wade has had both of like the quickest and like cleanest uh, 30 second summaries. He's managed to do his both like in under 20 seconds. So if you can beat that and have it as well, clean as his, I'll be very impressed. See, I didn't think it was like a, I didn't think the purpose was to be quick. I thought it was just to be concise. But if it's a competition, I'm, I love. I love a friendly competition. Well, listen, Wade has been concise and quick, I'm just saying. So I just All want right. to put that out there. We'll, and he we'll also see. started a he started a Twitter feud last week with Maddie. So if you want to start a feud with him, he's down oh, for it. I, I don't I don't use like Twitter or any of that, so it could just right. it could just be an on air feud and then you know, like oh, you guys yeah. can air your grievances we that do, way. I'm are, I'm here we, to yeah, me, oh, and, me and Wade, me and Wade, who I've never met before, are currently beefing. Uh, started here. There you go. That's what, that's how my podcast is now. Just starting starting <laughs> things. That's how I roll. Um, Lucas, do you want me to count you down, or would you like to just go ahead and start? Yeah, I think count me down. Let's let's make it official. Okay. All right. In three, two, one, go. Well, there's these two people, and they accidentally meet, and then they keep meeting like over the years. And then they decide that they just want to be friends. And the whole film's based around the question of can women, man and woman, be friends and not have sex? And then they do have sex. Ta-da. Okay. That was, that was a ta-da. Uh, that was a very quick, uh, you just came in under 20 seconds, 19.28 seconds. Good job, yeah, Lucas. I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't go for the, for the beat by beat. You know, I want to leave some... I want to leave some uh, spoilers spoilers out until later in the conversation. I do like how you went ta-da. Like, I, ta like I was like, man and woman. Men, but, uh, well. Can man and woman ever really get along? That's what it sounded maybe, like. Maybe. I mean, that, maybe. That, is, that is what the movie's about, isn't it? It is. And yes. So actually, let's dive right into it because I do want to talk a little bit about uh, so that's Harry's theory that men and women. So yes, they meet in 1979. They meet over the course of 10 years. And Lucas, go a little bit into how they meet one another at the beginning. Um, they Harry is dating um, Sally's friend, and they've both just graduated from the University of Chicago. So they've arranged to take a road trip from Chicago to New York to save money, I think. And the entire film is like based over these like conversations that Harry and Sally have. And it's a really good plot device because um, you're able to see like, even though they're arguing over like mundane things and stuff like that, you can just see like the deeper differences between them, but also how those differences are like complementary. So the first conversation they have is about the type of people that they are and how Harry's very pessimistic but he thinks he's a realistic person and sally is overly optimistic and they just immediately don't get along which is a classic rom-com thing but it's they don't get along and they really don't get along rather than there being that hint of romance underneath which i like well and um i do want to throw in this this first conversation has a really funny uh bit because this is where we get the first time sally orders something because they go to a diner and she orders something but she's very particular about her order and they have a conversation about being low maintenance and high maintenance and how, yeah. uh, which is, it's a fun conversation because Harry's like, you're the worst sort of person because you're high maintenance, but you think you're low maintenance. It's a very funny, like, like I do like how you described it. Like it is just these series of conversations that are, they're poignant, they're, they're pointless and poignant at the same time. Yeah. And, and oh, go um, ahead. yeah. And I think what's great about them and what's great about the time jumping element of the, 
film because time jumps like two or three times, but then it stays in one era, if you were going to call it that, for a while. But you're able to see how they change and how they don't change. So the food is something that repeatedly comes up throughout the scenes. And obviously it culminates in that the infamous like fake orgasm scene, which is really funny. But it also that shows like having repeated settings throughout shows the differences in the characters and how even though they're growing older, they also are still sort of the same. And so it's just a building of the relationship the entire time, which is pretty cool that it's set up so early. Yes. Yeah. And and also because they jump around a lot, you are introduced to important characters in Harry and Sally's life. Um, but we don't actually have a big ensemble in this film, actually. There's only really four distinct characters, two of which are Harry and Sally. And then the time period that we end up staying in for a majority of the film, which I think is 10 years after their initial meeting, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I think it uh, is, yeah. Yeah, is um, their friends, uh, who are played by Bruno Kirby and uh, Carrie Fisher, but I can't remember, I think Jesse and, oh, I can't, what is Carrie Fisher's name? I, I cannot remember either. So for the rest of the film, we'll be calling them Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby, if we Kirby? talk about them. <laughs> yes, who are just as funny as Harry and Sally. Um, actually, Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher have my favorite scene in the film, which is, well, actually, before we get to that, let's, let's kind of, <laughs> because, because we do jump around a lot, let's, let's, Lucas, go ahead and describe, um, all the times Harry and Sally meet. So we've had, they've driven from Chicago to New York, and then um, when do they meet they, next? They then, uh, are just, like, coincidentally on the same plane, like, five years later, and, I can't remember. That's um, another time when she's like ordering food very specifically on a plane, I think. Um, but that time is more coincidental. And so it's like they they talk to each other and like, I can't remember that one as clearly, but I remember that at the end of it, they're like, we're definitely not going to be friends, but that's fine. And then, yeah. So right. That, and I think um, yeah. Harry was, Harry had just gotten married or he was in the, he was about to get married. And the reason... I think Harry Harry knew who um, Sally was dating at the time because yeah. the guy dropped her off at the airport. Yeah, so um, like and then they both, get on the plane. Yeah, they're both like getting ready to get married, and like their relationships have progressed. And I think yeah. this is another thing that's quite interesting for this film as a rom com because you have usually in a rom com if you have somebody that's in a relationship, they're obviously in the relationship with the wrong person, and you have the other person who is either also in a relationship with the wrong person or single. Whereas this film shows like they don't really have that interest in each other. And so this is like 20, 25 minutes into the movie and you're like, where is this going? But it's like, it's really interesting because it feels really different. Yes. Yeah. And it is, that's actually, I want, Nora Ephron kind of subverts that trope uh, really well. And I, I, I don't even know if it was a trope at this point, because obviously there had been romances and comedies. I don't know if rom-coms were a huge thing by the time this movie came out. Like, I think this movie maybe might have started, like, the tropes um, as they come. I, uh, I'm trying to recall, because this is 1989, I think, yeah, when this movie a, came out. As a doctor of uh, romantic comedy. I was going to say, tell me, um, tell me, Dr. Dr. Lucas. I can, I can actually tell you that uh, rom-coms have been, well, they were, like, one of the biggest genres from the start of uh, talkies, I think. Like, there was rom-coms in the 30s with... Um, oh, Pillow Talk. Pillow Talk. Uh, it it happened one night, I believe. There was so it's rom coms are very established as having these like set conventions more so than most um, genres, and so I think 
but I think what you're saying is as well that like Harry and Sally sort of redefined that so it sort of subverted it but also built on it which makes it feel unique but also feel very familiar right well so um I know uh, and obviously I don't think pillow talk came out in the 30s I know you said that and then I said pillow talk pillow talk came <laughs> out in the 50s um and there's other ones because Doris Day did a lot of rom-coms right now that I'm thinking about it yeah well like a lot of movies can be like considered a, a romantic comedy can't they like some some musicals are romantic comedies some yes um i was about to say horror movies that's not right some like fantasy <laughs> movies are romantic comedies so like princess bride is, is right which we started our, right yeah. um yeah actually singing in the rain is a romantic comedy white christmas right. is a romantic comedy you're, you're just you're listing them all now you i i am now that got yourself sorted. I, now that I had the doctor tell me I was wrong, uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, that is what I was trying to say. I think yeah. I think when Harry Met Sally kind of brought the modern rom com, yeah, definitely kind of era, brought that era in. Yeah, it definitely did, and I think a lot of what people think is like the um, even though this was nineteen eighty nine, what people think of as like the nineties era of rom coms really came from when Harry Met Sally, and that's probably also because you have Nora Ephron still working in the genre, and then you have Meg Ryan starring in all the movies as well. So it's like this was really like the first time that sort of happened i believe obviously i could be wrong so it was just like the start of it all which is good right and but like i said like it is it, it they do subvert that drama or that 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 drama uh that, that there drama. is drama uh the the trope of you know one being in a relationship one either being single or just you know but they they are both when they meet the second time they're they're both happy in their relationship as well so and then i think they have the conversation again about whether men and women can be friends and yeah. um yeah. and that really ties in to what i was saying earlier where like the great thing about this script wise and story wise is that it repeats things so you can see where they stand on it so right. at this point because it's still early in the film even though it's been five years you can see they still haven't changed enough or understood each other enough that they want to be friends and then the right. next time that you see them, which is five years after this, so ten years after the beginning, um, they're both coming out of relationships, and I think they meet in a bookstore, and they they're not interested in um, like romantic things at all, which I think is that was finally the barrier for the two characters to just be friends. So right. I think that's why we spend most of the film in that period. But it's a great thing to have these first two scenes or extended sequences in the beginning of the film to show who the characters are and what they had to change to be to become friends it is interesting because we do almost like you said like it is almost like it's like this 20 minute prologue um to the rest of the film and you don't really it, that is an unusual thing to see kind of in screenwriting to spend yeah. you know what i mean like and i think it is a testament to Nora efron's writing and I think also to Rob Reiner's directing and obviously a Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan, it really works. And I don't think the film could work without that extended prologue. And it's instead of having it in dialogue later, like, oh, I know Harry because this, this and this. She does say that to Carrie Fisher, like, oh, this is how I know him. But it's very brief because we already know how they know each other. And it is it is the movie does really start that it's actually a very fast paced movie, if you think about it. Because it does start quickly and it just kind of never stops until kind of towards the end where it slows down a little bit as they both realize they have feelings for one another. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think in, in like another movie, as you say, it might feel weird. But I think 
when you're watching it, you're not going like, oh, this is something that's happening before the actual movie starts. It's more like this is this is the movie. And then I think the other way that they play with expectations is because there's already been two time jumps. When you get to that 10 year period, you almost feel like, oh, is there going to be another time jump? Because the movie also has these interviews with um, uh, elderly couples and other couples throughout the film. So you're like, what is it? What is going on? So I think it's really good that it's able to play with you like that and you're being like led through the character's journeys that way. Yeah, and 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 we do we do time jump again once we hit the ten years later mark, but it's only a few months um yeah. at this point. And then that's when Harry and Sally's relationship begins to grow. Um and then uh they try to set each other up with their friends. And then what ends up happening there, Lucas? That's so this is Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher. Yeah, um, well there's this there's the great scene in the restaurant where like they're all talking to each other. Um and obviously like Carrie Fisher and Billy Crystal are trying to get to know each other because they're supposed to be set up, but it's great because Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby's characters are just interested in each other and then they end up going home together. And I think what's great about that is it's like another comparison point to Harry and Sally. Because Harry and Sally are trying to be friends and not be interested in each other that way. And then their friends are instantly attracted to each other and just go home with each other and then eventually get married. So it's like, it's a great comparison point in the way of relationships and how Harry and Sally are holding themselves back from being together. But the the good thing about the film is it doesn't make you feel like they have to be together. It's more like, right. oh, they these are just two people that are very like complimentary towards each other personality-wise, so they should be spending time together, and then you sort of get to decide if they should be friends or not. Right, and the, and you that's what the... And we spend, like, a year... I think it's a year with them, and them... Because they, they happen to run into each other at the bookstore, and like you said, they end up going to lunch, I think, with each other. And they both, at this point, were both of their relationships, which were the, which were the same relationships we had seen five years earlier... Um, Harry's gotten divorced, um, and uh, Sally never got married, but uh, her boyfriend, they were in a five-year relationship, and he he decided to, um, they decided to break it off, and then I think he ends up married to the next person that he, uh, he yeah. dates after Sally. So, Sally wanted to have a family, I think, and he didn't, and then, um, and get married. And then she finds out later on in the film that he's getting married again, and that's when um, she's really upset. And I think her and Harry finally, finally do the do the deed. I believe they do. Yeah. And then before that, so uh, Sally's husband. There's our the um, Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal are really funny in this movie, but uh, Billy Crystal has this great speech because uh, he's talking to Bruno Kirby about the divorce because his wife was seeing someone else, and then she just she showed up with the movers one day. And then that's when she said that she wanted a divorce and she was already moving out. And then they end up running into uh, Harry's ex-wife uh, and her, and Ira. I think the guy's name is Ira, because yeah. for whatever reason, I distinctly remember Billy Crystal saying Ira. Um, that happens a little earlier in the film, but that ends up being a catalyst for Harry and Sally ending up sleeping with each other. I think it is almost a year after they re rediscovered each other. Ten years after the initial meeting, there's a lot, again, there's a lot of time jumps in this film. But that's when they end up sleeping together after Sally's um, discovers that her ex boyfriend uh, decided to marry 
the next woman, the essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. Courtney, have we? Yeah, we've seen this film. <laughs> yes, 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 we have. We have indeed seen this film. Um, um, oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's um, interesting how it shows also how like they both deal with the ending of a relationship. So like obviously, because in the beginning of the movie, Harry sets out that he's like a very realistic but like pessimistic person, and Sally's like, "You're going to ruin your whole life." waiting for something bad to happen and then after they both break up you have these great like parallel scenes where you see that like sally's like throwing herself into being really positive and stuff and harry's just really on the surface depressed but then the way the two comfort each other is by showing they're not just those one things they have like a mixture of positive and negative in both of them right Lucas, do you? Uh, I do want to talk about Harry and Sally a little bit more, kind of, kind of, because they are very. This is also another thing I really love. They are very two distinct. They are the two protagonists, and sometimes I feel like rom coms tend to fall in with they have the one protagonist, and then there's their love interest who is also there for a majority of the film, but they're not really this solid thing. It's mostly that one protagonist. Um, do you who uh, I have a couple questions about Harry and Sally. Uh one, which one do you think you relate to more? Are you more of a Harry or a Sally? Um, I don't know. I don't I think uh as with everything in my life, I'm just a, a mixture of both. I think on the surface I'm very uh Harry level, very very sarcastic and seem down on everything. But I think I am quite optimistic underneath. I don't know. What do you think? What do, what are you? I I think I'm a, I think I'm a Harry at this point in my life. Um, I think it's that I think it's a little. To be honest, I think it's a little like kind of Harry says to Sally at the beginning, like you're the worst. You think you're you're low maintenance, but you're actually high maintenance. Like I probably think I'm Harry, but I'm probably I'm probably a lot Sally. You know what I mean? Kind of like yeah. you, like surface level Harry, and then like deep down a Sally with the optimism. Yeah. I think, and I think that's one of the great points of the movie is that it shows like these two characters think that they're these opposites of positive and negative, but they're both, both of them. And I think the way that you get to that is by having the really, the the time to see their relationship build, but also the really like realistic dialogue. And um, obviously um, the screenwriter Nora Ephron and the director Rob Reiner have said that the characters are sort of based off them um, respectively. And I think, that's how you have such realistic characters and it's so interesting seeing characters that believe something about themselves and then the movie showing you that that's actually not completely true right well because that's how life is right because you do i mean there are moments in life where you definitely i don't know i don't know i can i can only speak for myself but like you know you feel like you're like oh i'm this way and then something happens and you're like and life's like, well, no, you're not really that way like look how you reacted to this situation i think i think that's what makes this movie so it is timeless i feel like because i it still feels very modern and it's but it it, you know it feels like it's from the 80s but it feels very modern i think it's because it is it's a realistic rom-com sort of yeah and i think (laughs) if that makes sense yeah and that's just it's a good storytelling technique to have the character believe something about themselves and then through their actions they show either a change or something that reinforces that and that's just what this movie does constantly and i think that's why every scene in it feels like it's an important scene and every scene in it feels like it's um effortless and realistic 
Yes. And uh, we should say, uh, because we were talking a little bit about the plot, uh, after Harry and Sally end up sleeping together, um, Harry doesn't handle it very well. Um, and so they end up not speaking for a few months, and then they end up having a big argument at uh, Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher's wedding. Um, and then, and then New Year's Eve comes around. I think it's a year. So the New Year's Eve previously, they had like danced together and then they said, is this the one where they, maybe not. I didn't get to rewatch when I met Sally. Um, I'm trying to remember if they said like, oh, no, I don't think they said anything. Never mind, just ignore me. But he's like, I'm just ma- I'm just writing new scenes for this. No, I'm, I'm I'm mixing up movies, and I didn't get to watch it last night, so this is a problem. But I've seen it enough that I know enough about it, but it's still a problem. Um, but we get to see one New Year's Eve with them where they're very happy, and they're they're not together. They do kiss at midnight, but it's nothing. It, it, neither thinks it's romantic. And then we see the other New Year's Eve where Harry's at home by himself, and Sally's gone out after, um her and Harry have kind of had this falling out because again, Harry didn't handle them sleeping together very well. Um, and Sally, I, I think that was something like Sally, she, like she knew it felt right after they slept together. Kind of Harry didn't Harry freaks out and he's like gone the next day. And then they, that's also another, they have a very funny phone call. They both call Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher at the same time. That seems really funny because the, then they're both talking to them at the same time. Um, and then, yeah. but then we see the second New Year's Eve, uh, Sally's at the party, but she's going to leave. And then Harry realizes he's in love with Sally, uh, go runs, makes the, a big, the big famous speech from the end of When Harry Met Sally, at the end of When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> and, uh, the, it is, the, it is a famous one. Okay. Uh, and you don't think it's famous? No, it is famous. It definitely is famous. All right. I thought you were, dude, I thought you were doctor in wrong <laughs> Get your shit together. Uh, and then they end up, they end up kissing uh and they end up getting together and actually so like lucas had said throughout the film to bookmark the time jumps they talk to couples um and so harry and sally are the last couple that they talk to about how they the what they're talking to the couples are about how they got together um yeah so the so, entire the entire film is basically like a long version of that interview for them yes and so harry and sally are the last ones um and Lucas, what, out of the couples that they talk to randomly, which one do you think your favorite is? I I don't even I don't even know. Like, they're also I don't know. They're all like funny, but also real. So I don't I don't think I have a favorite. What about you? Oh, I like the one where he where the one where he wrote up like five extra floors on the elevator, and she's like five extra floors. Oh yeah, like that one's just very cute. There's and also there's one, the there's one where okay. um. There's one where, like, I can't remember if it's the husband or the wife, but they keep talking over each other. And yes. I, that's just, that's so realistic to me, because, like, that's literally, like, what people in our family are like sometimes. Not naming names. Yes. <laughs> Not naming names, but I know exactly who you're talking about, so I think. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, th- that's what, and I think, I, I'm assuming they're real couples. I don't um, think, I've, I'd have to read to, to double check, I, but... For some reason, I feel like they're actors, but it's based on interviews that Nora Ephron did with people at the production company. Right, but so the obviously... stories are real. Yeah, yeah, the stories are real. What? This isn't a documentary? Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, you just blew my mind wide open. This is a rom-com? Yeah. What I what I do want to go back to, actually, is um, how you were talking about the like four-way phone conversation, and obviously yes. that seems really funny, but I think... 
what's great about the movie and talking about like repeated imagery and shots is that they have Harry and Sally like the split screen of them talking to each other on the phone a couple of times. Yes. And that really shows like it's a really great and simple way of showing how these two characters who are on the surface are having the same conversation how different they are and how different they act so like you can see like the brightness of Sally's room and the darkness of Harry's and like they're both doing the same activity and just what they're saying and how like their bodies react and so I think that's such a great device to have in there as well and obviously the four-way conversation is just the cherry on top of the cake with that is just just really good it is I, I and if i remember correctly i think it's just one shot but it's also the dialogue's really quick in that scene and bruno kirby and carrie fisher are together in bed they both answered the phone separately and then we have the split screen harry's on one side so there's like a three-way split screen but yeah. and then bruno kirby and carrie fisher are they are they are really funny in this movie because they have a they have to the dialogue's very quick and they have to react to each other reacting to Harry and Sally. It's it's actually, if you've never seen When Harry Met Sally, A, just go watch the whole movie. But you should, if you can look up this scene on YouTube, it's very, you have to see the way it is because it is really just everybody on their A game. And it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a very funny and fun scene. It's also a little heartbreaking because both Harry and Sally are uh, in this, this kind of crisis yeah. because of how I, each reacted. I was reading earlier, and apparently it took uh, sixty takes for to get that uh, that that scene right. That does Which not I'm surprise not, me I'm because it, it, no, it's a com- I mean, like, and for something so, and it's not a very long scene. I want to say it's maybe forty five seconds. It's not long at all, but it's a very complex scene because the, everything has to match up like just perfectly. Um, especially yeah. like b- because Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby are next to each other, they have to react to each other as well. Like, so they have like this quick dialogue, but they have to, ah, it's such a great scene. Go watch it on YouTube. It's a lot of, but there's a lot of scenes that you, again, you should just watch this whole movie. There's a lot of really funny scenes. My favorite, which I was, which I was going to say earlier, but we've kind of gotten there is the wagon wheel, uh, table, oh, yeah. uh, conversation. And, um, that's after Harry, Harry and Sally have encountered, uh, Harry's ex-wife at the sharper image which also has a funny scene where they're singing a uh, story with the fringe on top. And they go over, uh, cause Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher are moving in together. And Bruno Kirby has this wagon wheel table that does look kind of hideous. And Carrie Fisher's like, they're, they're talking about the wagon wheel table and Harry gets, he has this big monologue about how it doesn't even really matter because one, you love each other now, but one day you're going to be arguing about who gets that stupid wagon wheel table and then, so Carrie Fisher has my favorite line in the whole movie when she, Harry storms out and she says to Bruno Kirby, I will never want that wagon wheel table. Like, and I'm not even saying the line right because, but you would just have to watch it because it is, it's just very funny. Um, yeah. And I think what's great about um, this movie and rom-coms in general, which I think is why so many people like them, is that you can have the mix of like high emotion with comedic moments. So, like, right. the few scenes that you've mentioned, like the Sharper Image one and the Wagon Wheel one, it's based around this very, like, banal, mundane talk. But it's obviously the characters are having highly emotional reactions to it because they're having highly emotional reactions to whatever they're thinking about, which I think is, like, the mark of really good writing. And also it's just one of the benefits of rom-coms because you can have really silly moments mixed in with high emotion because the stakes are always emotionally really high but they're usually set in a place that isn't um 
external like full of external conflict so there's no like physical danger in when harry met sally and there's no even real like a common thing in rom-coms is like oh he, one of them's gonna lose their job or something there's no like b plot or anything it's just about the relationship and just about the funny moments mixed in with the high drama which i really yeah. like well actually me and uh because i talked to mom about man up which you've seen with simon Pegg and um lake bell and we I were don't talking think I've seen that actually oh you you haven't oh i thought no. you had seen it Oh, well, anyway, there's three, there's three big emotional conversations or three big emotional moments in Man Up and they all happen in a bathroom. So like, it kind of speaks to kind of what you were saying about how these big, the, these kind of emotional outbursts happen, like you said, in just kind of these ordinary small moments. And I think like Man Up kind of did that by physically putting these characters in the bathroom, you know, like to have these big moments where that usually that's just somewhere like it is private. But it's not like nothing really big happens in the bathroom. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's. I think, I think part of that is that that's why rom coms have endured for so long is because it speaks to something about real life where we all have dramatic moments that just happen, and it's not like a movie where like it's all leading up to it's it's all been leading up to this, and then it's a really dramatic location. It's just like it comes out at right. the weirdest times, and that's really something that you see in good rom-coms and definitely something you see in this movie yeah lucas please go watch man up it's so good i literally i've recommended it to every single person that i could it's I'm, so good i'm i'm taking a break from rom-coms right now but maybe no maybe, never maybe take a break I, from rom-coms maybe after i got my doctorate i was like uh, I, need, <laughs> I need to I need slow down to, yeah um and lucas before i move on kind of to, to more of the tropes that when harry met sally plays to and kind of subverts uh who do you think fell in love with who first harry or sally well um and this is gonna sound and, this and is, when this, and when did it happen this is, this, you is think? Gonna, this is gonna be me sounding like um i don't know very very uh trying to I, I keep using the word fringe but that's the wrong word but i think the entire movie is sort of showing how they should just be friends and like how the love that they have is more it's more friend it's more platonic than romantic but obviously the ending goes against that but i think what's great about the movie is rather than having one side it's not one-sided like you've said where like they're one of them's love interest and one of them's the main character it's very balanced and i think i don't know if the i don't know if it was a case of like then both one of them falling in love first and then one of them falling in love second but i think the first to realize it is probably harry and because he's so in denial about everything that's why he's so high strung because he's like ah he, he doesn't want it he has that he has that i don't know why i made that noise but he has that <laughs> hurt. whereas i think if sally really realized it first she'd probably say something to somebody also i think what's great about this movie is that it's so romantic but it's romantic in a way about like friendship and how friendship can lead to something more rather than just being about romance. Right. I a hundred percent agree with you. I think Harry fell in love first. And I think it's just kind of like you said, like he kind of, he, he realized it. he freaked out. They slept. You could see it very much the morning after they sleep together because he is kind of forced to confront his feelings with it. And after they sleep with each other, Sally is actually very good with it. And you know what I mean? Like she had those feelings and I think that was, that was a good catalyst for her, for her to accept it. And then, like you said, Harry, in a very eloquently just goes like, ah, like, I don't know what to do now. And I think maybe, I mean, obviously I wasn't really thinking about it 
in the way of who had the feelings first, but I think Sally has a better reaction to it because maybe she started feeling it later as well. Um, whereas Harry's probably had something built up into it. And obviously, with the way that they've written Harry, is he has, I don't know, I guess like sex on his mind a lot. So I think yes. maybe it came from that, from when he first talked about her appearance and stuff and how he was like, and then in the scene in the park where he's like, I think you're the first attractive woman I've never wanted to sleep with. So it's it's obviously been something that's on his subconscious mind that's rising up um, into its dialogue. Right. No, I completely agree. I was just wondering what your opinion would be on it, since you're the doctor yeah. and all. I just wanted yeah. to get that. Uh, I'm probably, I'm probably uh, going to get a complaint from uh, my university, like, just stop pretending to be a doctor, but... <laughs> Oh well. Lucas said again at the beginning you were like, I'm not claiming to be a doctor and again I'm just feeling the fire. Yeah. I just think it's funny. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, sorry for that cough. Um <laughs> to be fair, as we said, I don't think uh, this is gonna go viral, so I think I'm safe. I'ma make it go viral, don't worry. Uh it has a, don't worry, it's I've been unsuccessful in trying to make this podcast go viral. So don't worry, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm gonna choose to make this one viral. I have been this holding one's, off. <laughs> exactly. I've been waiting for this exact moment and it worked really well. Um and I do wanna talk a little bit more about the tropes that we have. So we do kind of have the fate bringing these two together again and again, which I feel like is a, a trope. Not I don't feel like a lot of people use it as much lately but um that does feel like a trope um do you feel like this is like a faded like because or do you think it's just coincidence that they keep running into each other and they're very i think like realistic circumstances yeah i think with with any movie even outside of rom-coms the characters have to meet so the the there's always an element right. of fate in any film because it's like well obviously these two aren't real people that are just wandering around a city, they're characters that serve a function of a story and they have to meet because that's where the drama comes from. But I think with this one, it's very realistic and it's, I keep using the word realistic, but it's so, it's realistic in the way that they meet and you believe it. And I think believability is more important than to me if it's fate or if it's coincidence. And I think, as I've said before, I think one of the great things about this movie is that it's not fate as in like they're destined to be in love with each other. It's just mutual coincidence led to friendship which then led to romance which i think is a good message and it seems healthier than some rom-com messages yes yeah some rom-coms especially like the older i've gotten and i don't want to use the word woke but that I'm feels woke. like a very good i'm woke <laughs> though i feel like as as a culture we're becoming more aware of things especially in the past uh five years um but like there are some rom coms that you watch and you're like, ooh, that's slightly problematic. And I think this one, this one isn't really kind of. Uh, Mom spoke to this a little bit when I talked to her about it, and she said that this is very much sometimes in rom coms, one character or both characters have to lose something in order to be together, whereas in this one, neither has to lose in order to have this relationship. Yeah, if that makes uh, sense. Yeah, I mean, um, you cut off at the beginning of that a bit. Oh, sorry. Uh, um, but yeah, I think definitely this is, it's like I was saying earlier, there isn't like a physical conflict and there isn't a price to pay for that. The only price to pay is they might get their feelings hurt eventually, which is what both of them are so scared of the entire movie. Right. So the movie's also really about weighing up, like, is it worth 
if the central question is can men and women be friends without sleeping with each other i think the other thing that they're weighing up is do you lose that friendship if you sleep with each other and have romance and i think the movie is sort of saying no you don't lose that friendship and it's spending two hours showing you why that's not the case right like you said it is it is it's realistic and it is something that's it's not it's not toxic which I feel sometimes rom-coms can can lean a little bit into things that aren't great, but they romanticize it and almost fetishize it. So people are like, oh, well, this is what this should be. But this one, this one kind of does look at a, a healthy relationship and how it grows and how it gets there and how they, they, when, when they don't talk is when there's issues, right? So like when they do yeah. talk, which should be, you know, you should always, you, you should talk, even though it's hard to talk. Some, you know what I mean? Like talk to people sometimes, but, um, but yeah. Um, and Lucas, what, because, because you actually, you actually have studied rom-coms as much as we're joking about you having a doctorate and you don't, just to make, to make, to make clear University of Reading, uh, he does, he does not claiming he's a doctor. Um, what film, so this, like, I felt earlier that this kind of was a catalyst for the way modern rom-coms from the nineties on have been what movie do, or what, what rom-coms do you feel like maybe Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner were inspired by that came before this? Um, or do, or do you feel like this leans on a little bit? I don't know. Like, um, I think it more leans on the ideas around rom-coms rather than a specific one itself. So like, obviously um, with rom-coms, as I said earlier, you have pretty much, in most rom-coms, not every one of them, but you have pretty much one of two ways that people are introduced to each other. So there's either the meet-cute, which is like a cute coincidence moment, like someone dropping some books on the floor and someone else picking them up, and it's like, love at first sight and stuff like that. Or you have like the conflict meeting where like the couple can't stand each other, but then eventually they fall in love, which is sort of like what When Harry Met Sally is, but it's not that immediately it's more of a slow build to that so i think it's it understands rom-com genres and it's building on it and sort of twisting it a bit but i don't i can't think of a specific movie um that i think it's inspired by to be fair when i did a lot of my rom-com research it was commenting on um the rom-coms of like the 90s and the early 2000s so i've i've basically studied a lot of stuff that came after this so what? So actually, so let's flip the question. What 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 rom coms that came after this do you feel like lean on when Harry met Sally? Because two that come to mind for me a little bit uh, is a lot like Love, which very much leans on it because they do the time period jump of over seven years. These two people meet again and again. Um, it's not done quite as well, but like that, they kind of use that trope. And then uh, last year, two years ago, when Set It Up came out on Netflix, the one. Uh, with Lucy Liu and Tay Diggs as the bosses and their two assistants. How did um, I don't you... know if you've seen Yeah, I have seen it. Um, what did you think Set It Up had that was similar to when Harry Met Sally? It's interesting that you say that. So we, they have the initial... Basically, they when Harry Met Sally does the initial, like these two aren't looking for each other or love when they meet. So when Set It Up does it, they meet because... Um, both their bosses want food. One ordered takeout. One didn't have cash. The other did. So the other stole the other's food because they had cash to get the takeout at the beginning. And then they end up bonding over over a period of time by scheming to get their 
their bosses together. So I feel like the way that they grow that relationship and set it up is kind of similar in, in not as much of a period of time in a shortened amount of time, but I think it's a similar way. Yeah, um, I guess it's it's sort of what Harry and Sally inspired was the idea of people like unknowingly falling in love with each other. And obviously they weren't, the, it wasn't the first film to do it, but I think right. you see a lot of modern rom-coms have that. And I think a lot of rom-coms are more self-aware, which definitely started which with set it up was. Sally. What I, yeah. Yeah. Um, the movie that came to mind when you asked me, um, and this isn't, I'm, I'm, I don't like to be like rude about movies or anything because it's fine if people like things, but I think a movie that I feel like is really inspired by it is 500 Days of Summer. And I yes. think 500 Days of Summer sort of is like the anti When Harry Met Sally because it's more about rather than growing to appreciate someone, it's more about getting over someone. And I, I like that 500 Days of Summer starts with uh, this isn't a love movie, but like it ends sort of reinforcing that message anyway so it's like i feel like 500 days of summer wanted to be the new when harry met sally but it it didn't give its characters enough time even though it is set over a period of time as well well kind of like you said uh 500 yeah it is the i agree with you it is the anti when harry met sally because 500 days of summer is very it leans very much into the cynical side of love right like you could have this harry made a movie about falling in love yes and if yes i do agree with that i love when harry uh, um mm-hmm. when harry Metalli, um i love 500 days of summer but it's definitely one of the it is an anti-rom-com because it's like oh here's all the things you love about a love story and then here's the realistic side of it because they even do that split screen in um 500 days of summer because there's the they show uh them when they're together and then after they've broken up like at like a similar party like they do the split screen as well with that. No, but yeah. yeah. So I, I, I completely agree with you. I'm not as eloquent as you are, but yes, I completely agree with you. Um, and yeah, just going back to when Harry met Sally, I think what sets it aside from other rom coms for me as well is like stylistically, it's very unique and it's very, it's just like well choreographed and um, shot. So like a lot of iconic images come to my mind of like them in the museum and them in the park and i think there's a grand scale to when harry met sally even though it's such a personal film that you don't see in a lot of rom-coms right well and also um when harry met sally another trope it kind of leans into is using um the city as a character i feel like because new york is very much the backdrop and catalyst for a couple things like you said they're in the diner uh they're in the museum the scene in the museum is really important as well because um Harry's Harry and her are joking around and he's like, Oh, are we going to go see a movie or go to dinner later? And she's like, I can't, that's when she starts to date, which kind of throws Harry off. Um, but, um, New York doesn't play like a huge, huge role in it, but it is a big, it is also the character in the city because this is because the characters journeyed there together at the beginning. And so this, and then this is the place where like their relationship grew and everything as well. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Yeah, I think, um, the other thing that sort of sets it apart is the way that it uses New York. So it uses parts that are very, um, iconic and very easy to recognize as New York. Like, I think one of their buildings looks out of the Empire State Building. I might be making that up, but, um. I think so. Yeah. But like, it, it always is shot from their level. 
rather than it, what you saw in a lot of late 90s and early 2000s things is like the generic like helicopter footage of the city just just to like give something energy but it's very generic energy rather than the specific this is how these people live in this city right um and i also i do also like the the scene where they're at the baseball game and harry and bruno kirby are having a very serious conversation and the wave keeps going by them so they're having because harry's describing why you know how his wife called the movers and said she wanted a divorce and they keep and they both do the wave like as it comes to them like that's also very fun you know what i mean like the the way they juxtapose i think like the fun of the city with the realistic side of the city i think if that makes sense as well yeah like and you I said, because it, it is their level, so it is. It like you said, there's no helicopter shots or anything like that. Yeah, and I think what you're saying as well links into the there's there's this very like I don't know lighthearted level of what they're doing, and then what they're feeling is a lot deeper. And I think it's another great way of showing that because obviously with like city life and being a young person in a city, there's that level of this is really fun and we have so much stuff we can do. But then there's also the level of like i don't know what i'm doing and not that that film specifically links into that idea but it's definitely something that's there um and then before we go on to just rom-com and rom-coms in general because you're the doctor there and we're gonna have a really great conversation about that as well um i do want to talk a little bit about the soundtrack so harry connick jr did the soundtrack i think this was harry connick jr's first big thing if I remember correctly, I know like in the movie, they're like introducing Harry Connick Jr. or something like that. Um, but the big song that plays in this is It Had to Be You, um, which I think is almost it's very perfect for this film because it is one of those like when you get to them, both Harry and Sally are like, well, it did have to be you. Um, how much do you feel the soundtrack kind of goes into this film and makes it as memorable as it is? Well, uh, this is the interesting thing, actually. Um, when you said that, I was like, I can't think of any piece of music from When Harry Met Sally. The thing I remember is the Oklahoma song from The Sharper Image. So I think, yes, I, I, I literally am like, I don't, I don't know what any of the music sounds like in When Harry Met Sally. So I think it's good on one level because it blends in with the film so much and gives it an atmosphere. And then on another level, I might just have a bad memory. So. How how does the uh, score and the music make you feel, Courtney? Because you might um, actually remember it. No, I, I actually very much agree with you. Um, the only thing I can really remember, like, as, again, I didn't get to rewatch this before doing this episode, but I have seen it a, a lot. I think, I don't think the score's bad. I think it's just kind of like you said, it just blends in with everything else. And I think everything else is so heightened and taken to, like, another level that I think the score, it does what it's meant to do, but it's there's nothing memorable about it, right? Like you said, like there's no piece that you're just like the most the most musical thing about it is that memorial they're singing Siri with the fringe on top, and then the Siri is kind of uh, them bumping into Harry's uh, ex wife again happens. So yeah, that's well, the big musical moment in it. Yeah, I don't think like a score doesn't need to be like um, too noticeable to be good. Memorable. I think just because the focus is so much on the characters and the character moments, it's not the first thing I think of. Um, obviously you don't have something like big and bombastic, um, but also that wouldn't fit with the movie. So yeah, I think, I don't know. I don't, honestly, I'm, I'm like really trying to think about music from when Harry met Sally and I'm thinking of music from Monsters Inc. because of Billy Crystal. (laughs) This isn't a good, this isn't a path to go down. 
I will say really quickly, fun because you brought up Monsters Inc. Uh, so the wagon wheel scene um, is the reason that that Pixar wanted uh, Billy Crystal originally for Buzz Lightyear, and so they animated Buzz Lightyear um, doing the wagon wheel scene. So it has—I don't know if you've ever seen the clip. So it's Buzz, but it's Billy Crystal's voice with the wagon wheel speech. And then they they didn't get him. They got Tim Allen instead. But um, when Harry met Sally's the reason uh, Billy Crystal heard about that. And then so he did Monsters, Inc. So that's like a fun kind of way to bring yeah. that. That's funny that you yeah. said Monsters, Inc. Because yeah, that's, that's kind of a catalyst for it. That, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah, you should look up. It's weird to see Buzz doing the, the wagon wheel scene from when Harry met. It is online if anybody wants to check it out. It's very fascinating. If anyone's um, curious. Um, if anyone's curious, it's very fascinating. Now I just want to talk about Monsters Inc., but uh, that'll be another that'll be another episode. We'll do a Pixar month. I already did Finding Nemo, but I I, I know I'll, I'll end up doing a Pixar month at some. Actually, probably March. I should do a Pixar month because Onward is coming out. Yeah, I'm looking for I'm looking forward to that. I don't want to I don't want to derail the conversation, but I am looking forward to a a modern fantasy setting. I am as well. That movie's also going to be very sad. I can already tell because it's about family well it's my family they only have one day with their dad that i'm already crying lucas Pretty, <laughs> already um, in tears here's here's the uh the key question here's the courtney standard does okay. when harry met sally make you cry uh it's never made me cry it does make me feel very it, it, it's very emotional but it's never made me cry um i don't think i've ever teared up on it but it does this movie makes me feel very happy and very like you know, like when I watch this movie, I just feel very happy. Like w once it's done, it's one of those movies that I don't know if you agree with this on on the other movie I'm about to bring up, which is Dark Knight, which is it's a great it's a great movie of the genre that it's in, but it's also just a really great movie in general. So like it's one of those movies that I always come back to, and it, there's something familiar about it. But it's always one of those like I know I like it, and then I watch it, and I'm like, holy shit, this is a great. movie. So yeah, does that make I, sense? I think sometimes with things, because, I mean, obviously, like, just because something's popular doesn't mean, like, quality-wise or personally it's going to be great to you. But I think we forget that a lot of things that are really popular and really well-regarded are just really well-made. Um, yes. And I think The Dark Knight and When Harry Met Sally are just really good examples of that. Um, yes. And so it is a great <laughs> feeling when, like, in your head and in your memory you're like, that movie's really good. And then you go back after a few years and watch it and you're like, I was right. Like it's a, it's a reaffirmation of that, which is always great to feel when you're watching a movie because you never want to go back and be like, this isn't as good as I remember. Right. Which is what, which uh, like, as I've gotten older and especially actually with Disney plus, I've gotten to go watch movies that I really loved as a kid. And then I watch it as an adult and I'm like, Oh, this movie's really bad. Like, you're just like, oh, I used to really love this movie. And also Dark Knight and When Harry Met Sally are completely not even close to each, like, 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 uh, like story-wise. And like, they're very two, two weird films to compare, but I hope, I hope that comparison made sense. <laughs> like. I, th I think it does. They're movies that really live in the pop consciousness and have like defined different genres. I don't think anyone's going to think that you think that they're the same movie. No, I just I I feel like it was a weird comparison. I was like, I just wanna I just wanna let everybody know I don't think they're the same movie. They are. They're they're very different, very different films. Um, so Lucas, so before we wrap up our conversation, I do want to talk a little bit about rom coms in general, which I've been very excited to talk 
uh, with you about this because, again, you did your basically your college, your dissertation on rom-coms. Um, and I want to talk about, uh, tropes. What I want to talk about your, what your favorite rom-com trope is and what your least favorite rom-com trope is. Um, I don't, I don't know if I have a, I have a favorite trope, but I, my, my college film was about how in rom-coms and in films in general, a lot of times, this is for the least favorite trope. A lot of times, um, like stalkerish behavior is like implied as romantic. So um, one of the ones that came up in my uh, documentation for the film was um, Love Actually, where the guy, the guy who's um, Andrew he's filming Lincoln, his, he's, yeah, he's filming his best friend's wedding and then he's just like filming the bride and he's like, it's just like on the surface and like when he does the cards and stuff like that seems really romantic. And then when you think about it, you're like, that's actually, he's just a really bad friend. It's actually kind of creepy. And so I think not that specifically but that's something that comes up a lot in movies and i don't like that i associate it with romantic comedies but you see it in other movies like in i don't know amazing spider-man 2 spider-man's like stalking gwen stacy and it's like oh it's because he cares about her it's like that's You're just cool. like, oh. respect, respect her personal space she's trying to go to college in england and then she gets killed spoilers for that movie <laughs> if you didn't know gwen stacy died i don't know what to tell you also if, if you I don't think anybody saw Amazing Spider-Man 2, which is why Andrew Garfield didn't come back, so I think you're good. I don't know if people didn't see it, but I don't think anyone's going... Go, I don't think anyone's been waiting for spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you had to say spoiler alert for that one. Uh, no, I agree. And it's funny because Love Actually, because it is a rom-com and it has a bunch of different tropes in it, kind of, I think Love Actually kind of shows the best of rom-coms and the worst of rom-coms, like, of those tropes, kind of like you point out, like Andrew Lincoln, like, when he does that Again, it's like initially, oh, that's really romantic, but yeah, hindsight's been like, oh, that's not great. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're think, like, oh. I think the difference is, is like, you're allowed to show stuff like that because people are like that. But I think when the film positively reinforces it as romantic or like something to aspire to be, it's kind of like, not that movies and always affect people and inspire things in society, but I just think it's not a great ideology to have like well, you should you should be respectful of people <laughs> right and if it well no i do agree with you because a lot of people especially like that are our age they've grown up seeing love actually right and so that scene was always seen as very romantic and oh like it's like a tra it's quotations a tragic romance because it's very one-sided and it, you don't want to reinforce like especially for like women who are my age and your age that are like oh see this is romantic because it's not and it's not healthy and i mean yeah. like the film i think the film does try to down like try and show that it's not healthier by by like andrew lincoln once kira knightley gives him the kiss on the cheek and then leaves and then he's like okay enough enough now and i think it's implied that he's moved on but that's not yeah. enough to say hey this was super unhealthy like yeah, you know I what mean, i mean like, like and it's not even something where i'm like oh, you can't like love actually, or you can't even not like that scene. It's just like that's something because you're just asking which tropes I don't like. I don't like when that shows up in movies and it does. It hasn't as much anymore, but I think it's just something that is, it's often been like, as you say, like we're supposed to feel bad for the one-sided characters in love. And it's like, yeah, you should sort of feel bad for that unrequited love. But also you have to, at least for me, I have to think about like, 
what's the other does the other person want this it's pretty unwarranted but also maybe maybe i'm thinking too deeply about rom-coms well and kind of also going back to it as well because he's also a dick to kira knightley like because he she asked for the tape which is which is just her which again is creepy because he just filmed her (laughs) but and then but instead of and then she like finds it and all this stuff but he's he's just he's always rude to her and i know like that's another thing like don't be a dick to someone just because you like them and know you can't have them like it's not that hard you know what i mean like yeah and i Um, think he was saying like he was trying to make it better for himself but he was he was like a jerk to her yeah what's uh what's your least favorite trope uh i we kind of spoke to the i spoke to this a little bit uh me and mom kind of mutually agreed like the transformation trope like that no one knew that someone like you know like you're not in love with someone until they have this big makeover like she's all that kind of does it princess diary that trope princess princess diaries does it a little better because I, the, I, I don't even remember what the context is for princess diaries i just remember that she gets her hair like brushed <laughs> does do it and it's a little bit better in the princess diaries because and again i think i talked about this mom is that eric von denton doesn't notice her until she has her makeover but lily's brother liked her before and still liked her after like so i think there's a difference there whereas like yeah yeah that's more like commenting on the transformation trip i guess i get i get what you're saying yeah, whereas, like, you know, like, you like she's all that, does it? And then, like, Freddie Prince Jr. doesn't really realize he's in love with her until she takes off her glasses and has her hair done. Like, so, like, there's, I think there's a good way to do it, and there's a bad way to do it. And, again, like, the flip side of that is attraction is a big part of romance. So, you, I, I, it's, I don't know, that's a hard trope, I think. Because, like, you do kind of see both sides of it, if it, that makes sense. Yeah, because there is that attraction level part of it. Yeah, I just think, like... You you don't want to send out the message like you have to physically change yourself to look like a specific thing for someone to exactly. like you, which is I don't I don't think that's what those movies were saying. I don't think that's what they're trying just, to do. Yeah, but it's it was just it, part of the culture at the time as well. Rather right, than... and and again, I think it's like kind of like you were saying, like love actually isn't explicitly saying him Andrew Lincoln doing that is good. But the message kind of gets passed on because people don't understand. You know what I mean? Like, so it's it's hard because yeah. you can't control it, how people react to a film. You know yeah. what I mean? Or and what I they think, take away from it? I think a lot of the time as well, and this is obviously I've just been insulting that trope in films, but I think a lot of the time we assume something is going to go wrong because of a behavior that we don't like in a film and then actually nothing really happens from it. Or sometimes it does. But just it's an right. individual case for individuals. But I just think overall, you don't want to reinforce things that might that might not be might not be great. And that's why when Harry met Sally is good because both of them act very realistically and not always respectfully. But I think it's more of a promoting a more healthy relationship. Yes. So yeah, it's it's hard with tropes because there's good and bad things to both of them, right? Like even like so the trope I really like is like the big gesture. So like I lo- I love in movies when someone's running through an airport to catch a plane, <laughs> you know, like something like that. Like I think that's great. But there's a flip side of it which actually I think not another teen movie does really well because uh not another teen movie is based on they're making fun of she's all that for the most part, but they have the big romantic gesture at the airport and then when he gets there and does it, she's like, 
well, am I supposed to just not get on this plane now because I'm here and I've had plans? You know what I mean? So, like, I think yeah. I think there's a flip side to all tropes. Like, there's a there's a great side of it, and then there's like you know, even the ones that I really love. If it's not done right, it is problematic. Yeah, I think for me, I I don't know if these are tropes or not, but I really like. Um, I don't know. I really I. Re- I don't know if I like it because I like actually like it or if I like it because like on a cheeky ironic level like a cheesy level I really like um musical montages in the middle of films. Yes. That happens a lot in that happens a lot of rom-coms. I put I put one in my uh my short rom-com. You I just, did what I Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. I I just remembered that. I just like I like when um I like in rom-coms when you see couples getting together in a romantic uh, montage and it's like very like over the top so I like it when it's like cheesy and a bit like not being realistic at all because I think that's a really funny part of rom-coms that you can do right is there one movie in particular that you're thinking about that that trope like that you really like that trope being used no, I, I was trying, and I actually can't think of any movie where it's used. So maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, no, you're completely right because they do, um, they they do usually do that, or like they're they're falling more in love over the montage because I feel like yeah. the montage tends to be in the middle before they hit their dark moment. You know, like where they have that yeah. little moment of angst. I also don't like rom coms that are too angsty. I don't need like. When Harry met Sally, he has the perfect amount of angst, which is Harry and Sally sleep together, and then, like, ten minutes later, they come to a resolution, even though it's been, like, months for them. That's the perfect amount of angst for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't mind a little bit of angst. As I said, I don't, I don't watch tons of rom-coms. Um, what I found when I was doing my... Getting your doctorate? Um, when, I, yeah, when I was doing that, was that a lot of my ideas about what are romantic comedy conventions and, like, um generic things are actually like it's weird it's more of like a consciousness of what a film's about rather than actual examples from movies and i read quite a few books that said that like we have an idea of what a horror movie is or what a comedy movie is or what a romantic comedy movie is and you you'll know like a specific scene so like for example the happy ending but when you try to think about it you're like is there is there a movie that's saying just this and usually there isn't so it's interesting that it becomes more of its own thing it's more like you have this very cheesy happy ending but you can't identify what movie it's from it's more of a generic it's more of an idea and that's what i found interesting about genre conventions yeah and yeah and especially like you said like horror movies follow it rom-coms definitely follow fall to it i actually think all genres do right because even if you look at like like a straight-up drama it's yeah. going to fall to certain conventions and it has to hit certain beats. Well, I think uh, one thing is when people say genre conventions or tropes, um, there's like a negative connotation to it. But I don't think having you have to have those things to make your thing identifiable as being that sort of movie. But I right. think it's what you do with it and also what you're saying about it, which makes it either useful or not useful. Which is what makes films like like Scream so much fun and not another teen movie. And even um, last year's uh, Isn't It Romantic with Rebel Wilson, which really looks at um, rom-coms and says, hey, here's all, here, here are all those genre conventions and tropes. Like, that's what makes those movies so much fun, especially when they're done well, because you're just like, they acknowledge it. And they're like, yeah, we know, but you can't have a story with, like you said, like you can't have a story without these things. Yeah, so I think sometimes, though, with, 
um, isn't it romantic and stuff like that. Um, you have the acknowledgement of the trope, but then it's it sort of stops there. And I think going one step further with it makes it feel more authentic, whereas sometimes it can just be seen as like a satire, which satires have their purposes too. Right. No, I agree. I think, I think, I mean, to be honest, the film that does that the best to me is Scream. Um, but that's because I love Scream and I think it just, it handle it. I think, I think it goes more than surface level, which is what I think you're, you were saying, like, isn't a romantics kind of surface level, whereas like you get a film like Scream and it goes a little deeper into the tropes. Yeah. That makes like, sense. It's using, it's using its self-awareness to make something new rather than just commenting on it. Not that, right. as I say, it's like, it's funny to have something be mocked and commented on. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and before, so I do want to talk actually because you you mentioned musical montages, um, and you do you tend to like soundtracks um, as well, kind of like me. Is there a particular song or is there a particular rom com song that like comes to mind when you think of a romantic comedy? The song that always comes to mind is um, "Kiss Me" by I don't care what their name is. Sixpence None the Richer. Just because. And it's not even one that I'm like, oh, that's such a good song. But it's just one that like I associate so much with the rom-com genre. I, I don't even know if it's in any rom-coms. I'm sure it is. It is. It's in She's All That, actually. I think that's what made it famous. So there you go. That's that's the one for me. Every time I think rom-com, I think that song. I was just wondering, because I know, and especially because we've, we've talked soundtracks before. And again, like you, you do, do you use, is Kiss Me the one that you use in your student film? No, I think I might have used it in some of the like promotional trailers or something just because I thought it's funny to have that in there. The song I used was a song um, by Susie Quattro called Stumbling In for the music montage. And then I used Only You and You Alone by The Platters for like the main credit song. Obviously, these weren't, uh, I didn't, I don't have the copyright for those songs. So it's not like I've, uh, I've not made any money off the movie. Don't worry. Don't worry, FBI. So, no money made off that movie. Definitely not a doctor. Definitely you, have a, not a, you have a lot of denials this this podcast, this go I, around. I feel like um, this was a trick. Like, you, you told me I was coming here to talk about movies, but you're actually trying to get me arrested or something. I mean, that would be, wouldn't that be a great happy 23rd birthday, Lucas? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to set you up. What a sting. Exactly. It's it's. I've been playing the long game these yeah. these twenty three years. You were like, this will get me some listeners. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, uh, did you the, like the headlines? Podcaster gets own brother arrest, arrested. People <laughs> will think it's like one of those like spam click baby things, and they won't. And then it's not. They, they won't even click on it. Um, and before we officially officially wrap up, um, what is there a couple? It, like what? Like, and it doesn't even have to be rom coms, but is there a pop culture couple that you really love? just kind of speaking of romance and right and that as well is there is there anyone that that you just really love as a couple that works that functions really well together um i don't know because when you when you say that i'm I, the first people i thought of was not a functional couple at all but i really like um gatsby and daisy from the great gatsby i really like their dynamic and i think it's something that's really interesting and it's sort of it's a bit of the one-sided love, but not, and it's really a comment on like the nature of romance, which I really enjoyed. Um, right, and there's I, I really a tragic enjoyed... romance as well. Yeah. yeah, well, I think the thing is, on the surface level, it is the tragic romance, but it it does sort of go that one step further in that it's like 
a tragic romance, but it's also showing how it was a romance from a past and how people just hang on to it rather than they're not really in love with each other. But I think right. that's such an interesting thing. It's actually the opposite of what you asked for. So there's that. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I did, I did already answer this. I really like Chuck and Sarah from Chuck. Uh, I do like Ron and Hermione, no matter what J.K. Rowling you're says. A, you're just a big couple fan, aren't you? I am. To be honest, it's one of those things, like, I don't go watching a movie expecting a romance, but if there's a really great romance in something, regardless of it being a rom-com or, like, a tragic romance, I do latch onto it, especially, like, with TV shows and things like yeah, that. I um, think... That's kind of what I was wondering if there was any couple, like, I guess I should have said that. Like, is there is there a couple that, from, like, a TV show you watch or a film that you've seen and you just, like, you really like them to get, like, I also really like, I really love Rick and Evie from... The mummy movies like their dynamics always really interesting um, um i think usually i'm 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 usually not interested in that part of the movie but i think what came to mind when you were talking about harry potter is um percy and uh, annabeth from the percy jackson series i think because they grew up together as children the book series really shows them as like equals which i really like right so I've, Which, to be fair, I only read the first book, so I haven't read enough to know enough about uh, Percy and Annabeth. Yeah, you, you didn't get to see them as a couple because they were 12 years old, so that would be weird. Um, yes, that'd be very weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that was, a, that was a, a good functional couple to have in a, in a children's book. There you go. I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that. I did that a couple weeks ago and put mom on the spot. And she was like, uh, she like panics at a couple names. And I was like, did oh, she sorry. Just, did she just throw out the names from her books? Here you go. No, she didn't. That would have been really funny, though. <laughs> she was like, well, if you checked out my novel, this such and such, yeah. you would see that this is the perfect couple. No, I think she said she said Han and Leia and Monica and Chandler, which I agree with Monica and Chandler and Han and Leia. So actually, an another couple has just come to mind. Um um, I don't know if you've watched it because it's not really your sort of thing, but there's this um, animated show on Netflix called Castlevania, and um, two of the characters in that are in a relationship, and they're pretty, they're pretty cool. They're pretty. They're, it's, I'm... It, it's the same sort of dynamic where like they're they're both like equals, and they bring something different to. They're both part of a group. They bring something different to the group and to each other, which is really nice to see. I think that's what I like to see rather than just like a couple that's like generically happy together i like seeing complementary personality traits in couples where like they're not the same but they fill in parts of each other okay that sounded weird no no, no <laughs> i completely agree and actually i'm gonna build off of me saying something led to you saying something led to me saying something i'm gonna say also i really like um i haven't seen castlevania so i can't speak uh to anything with castlevania uh but i that just reminded me of um zoe and wash from firefly they were always such an interesting couple because I think like on paper, they probably wouldn't work. But because of the depth that those characters had as individuals and then they brought together as a couple, I think that's kind of something like you were just saying, like they 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 do like fill in each other. If that like like you yeah, were saying, I, th I think we shouldn't say fill in each other. Cause that's, no, that just sounded really, um, this is really wrong. Also, I, I will say uh, they were a good couple until Serenity. Yes, until we we don't. Uh, Joss Joss Whedon giveth and Joss Whedon taketh away. Shall I spoil that movie like I spoiled Amazing Spider Man Two? Is anyone out Listen, here waiting? <laughs> because because you've already spoiled it, and because I'm always down to rant about Wash's death. What what Joss Whedon did to book and Wash in Serenity is a travesty, and he should go straight to jail. I'm just saying. I think that's very. <laughs> 
traumatic. Extreme of you to say. Well, and, uh, he shouldn't have killed Wash then. So. I'm glad. I'm glad that he died. No, fuck you. <laughs> Wash was wonderful, and then Wash's death is just so terrible anyway. Because it's literally just, oh, we crash landed and all survived, and something comes through the windshield and just like s- just stabs him. It's h- horrible. It's a horrible way to die. Oh well. No, oh, fuck you. Wash is fantastic. <laughs> Go watch Firefly, people. That's one of those times where Joss Whedon is kind of like firing on all cylinders, and then Serenity, the film that he got after it had gotten canceled, was him being bitter. It's like, fine, you gave me a film, but I'm gonna kill a bunch of people. There you go. Okay. I'm just, you've opened a can of worms, Lucas. Serenity isn't a rom-com, I'm not interested. (laughs) Serenity is not a rom-com. Definitely not a rom-com. And then, finally, before we wrap up, Lucas, just kind of in general, I know we talked about it at length, um, but what is it about When Harry Met Sally that does kind of make it one of your favorite rom-coms and something that you kind of come back to time and time again? Uh, I think it really is just... um just the the writing i like i like that it explores the characters and i really like um in films the use of like repeated locations and repeated images to show how people change and i think that's something that you can do with a time jump and that sort of plot device but a lot of people don't do it they use it to show the passage of time but not really the changing of a relationship in characters so i think it's just it's just something that was really well put together and really well thought out Good craftsmanship. It's like a nice bench. It's like a, it's a very. It's not only is it a nice bench. It's a sturdy bench. It's not going anywhere. It's one of those. It really is just a perfect mix of every. But everything is like it's. It's a perfect storm of everything great that came together with this film. Yeah, it's, and makes it. It's greater than the sum of its parts, as some might say. It is, and it is. I think it's timeless. I think we'll be talking for about when Harry met Sally for a long time. Maybe not as long as we talked about it. We, but we we did good, Lucas. We kept it under two hours, which I'm very proud of. Good on us. Good on us, uh, Lucas. Thank you again for coming back on. It's always a pleasure having you on Ghost Face in it, and I do appreciate you taking the time to come and talk when Harry met Sally with me. Thank you for having me. And guys, we will see you next time. This has been Ghostface Knit, the podcast where I talk favorite films with some of my favorite people. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, definitely uh, like, review us, share us on social media. Um, even if you don't like us, if you were like, wow, this podcast is kind of shit, tell people about it. Make sure to mention us, though. Um, and until next time, uh, I'll see you around. Bye. <laughs>